0: This week on the Brody and Moe In-Law Show.
1: Are we just not yelling enough? I think we're not yelling enough because in sports you have to scream at each other because of reasons.
2: Yeah. The New England Patriots were bad for a very, very long time. They were like the Arizona Cardinals of the East Coast. Will there ever be people
1: at live sporting events again?
2: Do you happen to let him pee in the rocks at home? (laughs)
0: Welcome to the Brody and Mo In-Law Show, where we commiserate about Arizona sports, collaborate on being dads to daughters, and conversate on the pressing matters of today. Brody, uh, since there's no news happening in America or across the globe right now, which is pretty sweet, just like a real normal run-of-the-mill week, nothing yeah, like really twitter been, Twitter's been pretty boring. Dead. Uh, nothing, nothing really happening at all. I, I want to talk to you. I want to announce something that I f- I feel a little bit of hesitation, because I'm not sure that you're gonna be okay with it um are you breaking up with me i am <laughs> i i might have i might have broken up with beer for a little bit oh really so i found okay. myself in a new vice here and <laughs> I'm, I'm scared to even show it to you it, it's uh it's a hard seltzer oh you're going hard seltzer have you tried i don't know this if product, i can do that I,
1: I don't know if i can i don't
0: like seltzer water See, you've got to start there. When Emily was pregnant, uh, she used to drink a lot of... She drank a lot of hard seltzer when she was pregnant? She drank a ton Um... of hard seltzer when she was pregnant, (laughs) and we just kept going with it. It worked so well. Oh, wow. No, she used to drink a ton of soda, but when she got pregnant, obviously, she couldn't keep going with that. So Mm -hmm. we tried to find things to substitute for soda, and the thing that ended up sticking was uh, bubbly water. Oh, yeah. And so I've still been a big fan of bubbly water ever since, but then they've come out with this new... A hard seltzer which like if something's good what do you do to improve it you add bacon or you add alcohol
1: <laughs> that's the two things you you have to it never makes things worse let's just put it
0: that way no so i i really feel like uh i've arrived you know i've i've gotten to a new plane with this <laughs> that's the that's the
1: threshold is of of arriving well mo how do you describe if you've made it as a podcast how do you describe you've when
0: you've made it well how do you know when you've arrived what
1: how, What is your definition of we've made it as a podcast? We've made it.
0: I mean, we have 12 subscribers. I feel like that's pretty good. Double digits
1: is higher than most people can count in my family. So, you know, one out of the three in my family can't count to 10. So, you know, that's got to be something. But I view make it as a podcast is when you get your first celebrity guest appearance, which we have today celebrity is like not even the right word what's bigger than a celebrity i don't know phil is bigger than a celebrity we have a sports fan we have a father we have a person who is up to date on the issues of the day phil bashaw is with us phil Thank you so much for coming on. Well, Brody, thank you for that introduction, man. I am uh,
2: <laughs> I am excited to be here, and and uh, celebrity is definitely the wrong word. I am <laughs> not that at all. Mythical creature? I uh,
1: <laughs> All of the above. Thanks for coming, man. We appreciate it. We're gonna yeah, have a lot of fun. Thank you,
0: Phil. How do you how yeah. do you uh, how do you know Brody?
2: So I work. I actually work with Brody's wife over at uh, uh, over at Farm Bureau. So I met I met Brody through Chelsea and. Uh, We've uh, we've become really good friends, bonded over uh, pellet smoker girls, hockey, <laughs> that's right, sports, golf. Actually,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, Brody's going to be modest, but he's a much better golfer than I am. <laughs> that's
0: that's not true. I've seen Brody golf, and I'd love I'd love to start off this podcast with you on a foundation of like honesty and trust. And I'm <laughs> no longer sure I can do that. That's
2: no. That's not an indication of Brody's golf game. That's an indication of my golf game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I am, I am one of the worst golfers on the planet. F- Phil, you
1: taught me something though in the sport of golf that I will forever cherish and that I'm going to use in my golf game from now on until I stop golfing. And that is when you've had such a bad hole, you just draw a poop emoji on your because <laughs> <store card. laughs> I've done that so many times where it's like I c- I've lost count of how many strokes I am on this poop emoji it is (laughs) so you count up how many you have
2: yeah you know listen it's it's smiley face frowny face or poop emoji that's how i score a golf that's (laughs) i thought you were gonna say the arm wedge because that's one of my favorites too you know oh the arm wedge yeah the the good old arm wedge you know you get it explain the arm wedge well you know you get it you get it into a you know uh, somewhat unplayable situation and you you know you just you just grab it and you give it a quick toss (laughs) back into the fairway you know (laughs) It's like the presidential forgiveness. The arm wedge is actually my favorite club to use. out of a sand trap, right? It's, it goes farther than my sand wedge. Just give it a quick toss. I can get it. I can get it within ten feet of the hole with the arm wedge, pretty, pretty consistently. So,
0: oh man, I'm Phil, loving Phil, it. Phil, I understand that uh, beyond golf, that you've got a particular penchant for. Uh, NFL football, in particular, that uh, that dynasty team to the east that we try not to talk about here in, in the West Coast, best coast. Can we count Arizona as the West Coast? I, Most likely not. I, we're not really a coast, so... And we're also not the best, so neither of those terms really <laughs> applied. But Philly, you're, you're a, a pretty staunch uh, New England Patriots fan, right? Yeah, yeah, so... Um...
2: I was actually born just north of Boston and uh, lived there until I was about nine or ten years old and moved out to Arizona uh, and been living here ever since. But you know when you when you grow up in New England, you know New England sports just kind of just kind of sticks with you. The New England Patriots were bad for a very, very long time. I mean, not a whole lot of people remember this, but it's between true. like, between like nineteen sixty and two thousand, they were like the Arizona Cardinals of the East Coast. They were a terrible, terrible team. Sort of when I sort of got into my formative years and really started paying attention to sports, that's when they that's when they were really blowing up, you know, in the early two thousands and that kind of stuff. So, so you're the reason for
1: Tom Brady's success. We can we can pinpoint it back to you then.
2: Sure, if you want to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All those rings. I don't <laughs> see one with Phil. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm having them resized.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good
1: point though. Like you're not a fair weather fan. Like you have a reason for being a fan of, you know, the Patriots. You didn't just become a fan when they were good, which I think. Yeah. You know, know?
2: one of the things that I, that I, uh, I think makes being a fan so much fun is that you get to, you get to be a fan with other like-minded people. Right. And so, Mm When I was growing up, my family were all New England Patriots fans. They're all Red Sox fans, you know, Bruins fans. And mm-hmm. so you sort of grow up wanting to emulate your uncles and, you, and and other family members. And then when you get a little bit older, you can you can talk sports with them. You can talk about, you know, what's going on with your team? What's happening this year? You know, or, you know how are they going to do in the playoffs? or you know, what's coming up this week? You get to text back and forth with them on game day and that kind of stuff. You know, it's the it's the camaraderie of being a fan. And so, you know, I think, I think that influences a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, at least, at least why I enjoy watching the Patriots so much is because I've, you know, I have family members that are into it with me and that kind of stuff. So
1: that makes, that makes sense. And that like, I think a lot of people in Arizona, I don't know if it's because we have so many transplants or our sports teams are relatively new in comparison to like all the teams you just listed that have been in the league for, you know i mean the red sox have been in the league forever so uh you know and then the diamondbacks they've been in the league since 98 you you know you don't have as many just true fans they only cheer when that team's doing really good like cardinals for example there you've seen like you have so many more fans that cheer for the cardinals when they're winning uh the coyotes are definite definite you know on that like that people only cheer for the coyotes when they're winning or something like that So like it's kind of interesting from the East Coast where it's like, this is in my DNA that I'm going to cheer for the Patriots no matter what.
0: I I do want to ask, Phil, I want to ask you this. Tom Brady's gone. uh, Gronkowski's gone. You still have Bill Belichick. And you've got a completely untested new quarterback in Jarrett Stidham. What, What are your expectations and what are your hopes for the Patriots this season?
2: I mean, as a Patriots fan, we expect to go to the Super Bowl every year. (laughs) So, uh, you know, that's, I think I'm going into the season with that expectation. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, it's, it's sort of a weird situation, right? I mean, you've got to, you've got to trust that Bill Belichick knows what he's doing and he's proved over and over and over again that he could take a roster that is really unimpressive on paper at the beginning of the season and turn it into a really good team. Mm. Um, I expect, you know, I would expect that team to be eight wins minimum. They still they still have a chance. I mean, you still got Bill Belichick. You've still got Julian Edelman on that team. And, um, you know, they lost a, a bunch of key pieces on the defense. But you have to remember, they had a lot of really good young players on that defense last year. And that really is what kept them in a lot of games. You know, our, our offense was really terrible last year. Uh, And so it was the defense that kept us in a lot of those games and even had us in contention for the playoffs. And so, you know, I I think there are a lot of really good pieces there. Um, And they've really seemed to put their confidence in Jarrett Stidham. So let's see what he can do. So I'm, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist, you know, it's, uh, every year, every year is the year that, you know, the Wildcats are going to take the Rose bowl. So Boy, um, I was
0: with you on the Patriots. I don't know if I'm with you on that one anymore. <laughs> <I've lost laughs> all hope.
2: You know, when it comes to like the Wildcats football, it's, uh, I start out the season, all right, this is the year we're going to run the Rose bowl until it's not. And so I have a really good two, maybe three weeks into the college football season. Um, and then I basically wait until we play ASU. Um, so that's, that's, that's the, the fate of an Arizona Wildcats fan, I guess, uh, when you're talking that's the football. the beauty then
0: of, of turning around and being a Patriots fan too, though, at least for the past decade, is that your college sports team is is terrible. Saturdays are bad, but Sunday's coming. So, you know, I, I, I don't see any reason. I think I'm with you in having optimism for that team because I, for whatever reason, I, I watched a lot of Jarrett Stidham play when he was in college. And Stidham was good at Baylor. He ran spread offense concepts like every college football team does. And then went to Auburn and had two solid years at Auburn. It seemed like the Auburn offense, not that it was intentionally mirroring the New England offense, it seems to me like the the offensive concept at New England is a lot of run routes between the numbers. Brady was never really a Mm down-the-field kind of guy. When he he had Randy Moss, he was, obviously, because he had that threat. But Gronk, Edelman... West Welker, Amendola, they're all guys who kind of line up in the slot, run between the numbers, and it's all about routes and concepts and getting that guy open. And so, if like Stidham doesn't have to be a superhero, he's just got to know the routes and he's got to trust his guys to get open. And Belichick seems to know exactly how to draw that up. So they play in a weaker division. I don't believe in Buffalo. I don't believe in Josh Allen. Two is a rookie. We have no idea what he's going to do. The Jets are the Jets. I, I just I don't see any reason not to be optimistic about that team right now. Eight wins seems like the floor.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree, and I don't think anybody will will argue with the the weakness of that division. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty weak division that they play in. But one of the things I will say is I think Jarrett Stidham has got a lot more mobility than Tom Brady has. Tom Brady's never been a real mobile quarterback. Uh, he always really relied on his knowledge of the game and being able to read what defenses were doing and knowing exactly where that ball needed to go exactly when it needed to be there. I think you're going to see a little bit different team come out because they've got a quarterback. has got a little bit more mobility and maybe not the same type of knowledge of the game or understanding of the game. Um, But you still have that knowledge uh, on the sidelines. And so they're going to be relying, he's going to be relying a lot more on Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniel to, you know, to, to run, to run that offense where, you know, uh, for, for, you know, for a large part, Tom Brady got to the line and basically, you know, dictated what, what was going to happen with that, with that ball. Um, so one of the things I think will help them be successful is that team comes out as a different team every week. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they go from a, from a, you know, from a passing team to a power running team the next week, you know, um, and they'll go, uh, from one week to the next. That's why they're so frustrating to have any Patriots players in your fantasy football league, right? Because you never know who's getting the call eight, one week to the next, yeah. you know? I think they're, they're still going to keep up with that trend. They're still going to play each team every week. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to see a little bit different team. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think eight wins for that team is the floor, you know, based upon where they play and their schedule uh, this next year. And we'll see, we'll see what Stidham's got. I mean, we'll see what he can do. Because you have a daughter, correct? Still? I do, yeah. My my daughter Allison is eight. She's eight years
1: old. We our our daughters are a little bit younger, so we have we, we we're not quite to your level of expertise of fatherhood yet. But the New England Patriots underwent a massive change this offseason. How did you explain the leaving of Tom Brady to Tampa Bay to your daughter? How did that happen?
2: I have to tell you that just like just like any father of you know, who's a true sports fan the, basically you're going to teach your kids to root for your team <laughs> yeah. as soon as they can, as soon as they can talk. Right. Right. And so the first phrase that I taught both my kids, I have, I have a, I have a six year old son as well. The, the first thing I taught them to say when I prompted them was that Tom Brady was their favorite football player. <laughs> And so on game day, I'd I'd, you know, I'd go, who's your favorite football player? And they both of them would go Tom Brady, you know, we did the Rob Gronkowski thing for a while too. And, Uh, you know, and that, and that, and that worked out pretty well. My son, you know, called, called them Tom Brodnowski for a long time, (laughs) uh, sort of combined the two. But as you can imagine, like game day in our house was all about the new England Patriots. right? Right. And so my kids have grown up and, for their entire lives, Tom Brady has been their favorite football player. Yeah. Or at least that's what they tell that. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> so I, I go through this spell where Tom Brady decides that he's leaving. Right. And this was a big crushing blow for me and a huge surprise. Um, yeah. To, to basically me and Patriots fans alone, everyone Everybody, else knew yeah. months ago that this was happening. Um, and then, you know, and so I'm, I'm sort of getting over that, you know, and, and I, then I feel comfortable enough where I can explain it to my kids that Tom Brady is no longer a new England Patriot. And then I get the news that Rob Gronkowski is coming out of retirement to play with the Buccaneers right. Right? And, t- they're, and they're, and they're down there together. Right. And so stab in the back. Exactly. Uh, so my kids have a lot of questions, right? They're like, is Tom Brady still our favorite football player? And I'm like, well, no, we still like Tom Brady, uh, but he plays for another team now. So we, you know, we still root for the Patriots. And they're like, so, so we root for the Patriots, not Tom Brady. Well, yes. So who do we root for on the Patriots now? (laughs) And I don't have a great answer at this moment. (laughs) I mean, Jarrett Stidham, maybe he's our guy Um, now, (laughs) you know, uh, Julian Edelman. Yeah. We can get excited about Julian Edelman. Right. Um, So it's, so my kids are still like, they're still questioning all of this. Right. And they're like, you know, so, so do we, do we dislike Tom Brady? And I was like, no, no, we, we still like Tom Brady. He's still, we have a lot of respect for Tom Brady. He just went to a different team now. And, and, you know, we, when we speak about it publicly, we wish him well inside. We hope he's miserable because we are. And that's, that's how we cope with this kids. It's got to be hard
1: for them to understand. They don't understand that sports is a business like that, you know, these players are making their, their livelihood playing the sport for our entertainment to be able to talk about. And like, these kids are just like, Hey, my dad told me I like Tom Brady. So I like Tom Brady, you know, <laughs> until they I yeah. guess get old enough to be able to figure out like why I like Tom Brady. It's like, I don't know. My dad likes, coy- uh, you know, my dad likes the coyotes for us. So I, Sadie likes the coyotes when she can stand still for longer than four seconds. She re for the coyotes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of an interesting thing that, right. It's like, you have to, you're, you're sort of teaching, instilling in your kids, like loyalty to team, not necessarily loyalty to player. Right. You know, right. And, and Hey, we're, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to ride or die with this team. Right. And it, you know, whether they're good or bad, who, this is who we root for you know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting lesson. Um, and, and my daughter who's, who's eight years old was very inquisitive about it. She was like, she was very, she, she really wanted to understand why, you know, what was going on and why, why all of a sudden we, you know, we're not rooting for Tom Brady anymore. She's like, I got a Tom Brady Jersey and I'm like, yeah, well, he's wearing different colors now. So. (laughs) So what are you going to do
1: with the Jersey? What did she have any suggestions for what you could do with the Jersey?
2: Oh, it's like a, you know, it, it, w- you know what do you call it now? It's a vintage jersey, it's throwback, it's, you know, it's whatever, right? It's like, you know.
1: Remember when that guy used to be our quarterback <laughs> and he won us a bunch of games?
2: That was nice. Yeah,
0: remember <laughs> when we were really good and that
2: guy was our hero? Yeah, we
0: missed those days. Did you feel yourself resenting Brady for having... Not that he was the the catalyst for leaving New England, it didn't seem like he had much of a choice in the matter. But do you do you harbor any resentment towards him going to Tampa Bay? And if so, how are how are your kids handling that too?
2: You know, it's it's sort of funny you ask that because it was that was something that I sort of struggled with, right? I wanted to be I wanted to be mad at Tom Brady for leaving, you know, um, and I wanted to be I wanted to be mad at Gronkowski for going to Tampa Bay instead of coming back to New England, right? Um, and I think the reason I wanted to be mad is because the, the New England Patriots are my team and I'm going to keep rooting for that team, whatever, whoever the players are that are out there, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a New England Patriots fan, no matter who's under center. Um, and so I, it, was, it was sort of hard to see a player that you had invested so much time in, you know, in rooting for and everything else go somewhere else, right? But then you sort of have to sit back and think about, you know, like this to them this is a business. These guys are athletes. They're, you know, and we've set up these you know, immense incentives for them to, you know, to get the contracts that they need to get, you know, and 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 this is obviously this is a big money business for them. And so you can't really you can't really be mad at them for, you know, doing what's doing what's best for them and responding to the incentives that they have. I mean, as Arizona fans, you know, could you be mad at Larry Fitzgerald for going somewhere else? Man, he
1: th- when Tom Brady left to the to Tampa Bay, that was like probably not the first thought I thought, but it was up there with what? How would I feel if Larry left? And I think a lot of Arizona fans had to have thought that. I mean, I I, I want to I'm going to defer to my counterpart here. Mo, what do you, what do your what do you think on this first? I think
0: it's all about in the way that you leave. The, the prime example of this is LeBron leaving Cleveland. Mm. It, did P- the first it, time? the first time, and that's that's a good point too. Is he's done it twice. First time he was hated, he became public enemy number one. Second time he left, it seemed like Cleveland said, "Okay, you came back, you've stuck with us for a while, you brought us a championship. You're our hometown kid. Go do whatever you need to do." Brady's kind of mm. in the same scenario. He's been in New England for 600 years, brought him 332 championships. Like, it, there's not going to be, I don't think, that level of resentment to watch him go, regardless of whose choice it was. Same with Larry Fitzgerald. I wouldn't be mad if he left. If he leaves in his prime, if he leaves five years into his contract and he goes somewhere else and wins a bunch of championships with another team, I don't know how I feel about that. He leaves right now, you feel okay about it because he's given everything he's had to this franchise for forever. And and you want to see the guy succeed because you're invested in him and, and you've wanted to see him do something good. And if he can't do it here, let him go somewhere else. But you don't know that about a player if they leave early. So would I be mad at Larry Fitzgerald now? No, definitely not. Would I have been mad had he left six years ago? Would I be mad if it wasn't his choice and he made a huge production out of it? Maybe. So I, I agree and yet disagree all in the, same,
1: in the same breath with you because as an Arizona sports fan, I think the world of Larry Fitzgerald as a person, as a player, he's a future Hall of Famer. I don't think there's anybody that would dispute that. Great person and has done so much for the Valley, maybe more than any other sports person ever who's ever done. And I want nothing more than to see him win a championship. I want him to win one in Arizona above all, but I want him to win a Super Bowl. That's the only thing that's I, the only check mark on his box that he has not checked, I think. Uh, it, well, I mean, he's not. He can overpass Jerry Rice in a few in a few records. But other than that, really winning the big one is the is the key marquee for him. I think I'd be a little upset if he if he left this year. Because the Cardinals haven't been this good and had a chance to win this year than they've had in a long time. I think if he would have left three years ago, I probably am not that mad. Because that team... Well, let's go two years ago. Was bad. Really bad. And so, if he would have been like, dude, I got to go to... New England and I'm going to go win a championship or I'm going to go here and try and play for the playoffs. I probably would have been like, dude, no. But also, yes. (laughs) All in the same breath. This year's Cardinals team has actually got some weapons that they can actually have a chance at going to the next level. Um, Are they a Super Bowl team? I don't know. But they actually have a chance a chance this year and it seems like it's been forever since they've even had a chance um so i would be a little disappointed if he left this year um if he went to kansas city or um oh uh, who who well, i mean kansas city or
0: green bay man G- i want to see him with the Rodgers
1: or or if he went to even tampa now like if he went to one of those teams i would be like uh, okay, you're trying to win a championship. You don't have too many more years left in them legs. Okay, I can I can get on board with that. But he, I don't think he's had a team like this in a while. With Hopkins and obviously Kyler Murray, who's even in the NB MVP champ, uh, talks now, um, with that hypoten of an offense, he hasn't had in a
0: while. So your your take is that you would be more upset with him leaving later in his career than earlier, just because of the team around him just because of now
1: just because of who he has around him now i i think i just think back to two years ago when they were so bad when they were so bad two years ago if he would have been like guys i'm 200 years old i need to go win a championship it's not going to happen here i would have been like oh okay okay all right go win you need to win now, though, in his career, at least he's got a chance. Now, if this year they go three and thirteen, and the whole thing blows up, and he's like, "Guys, I got to go somewhere else," I'm, I'm game. Um, I don't think it's the age thing; it's just the weapons that he has around him puts him in a better chance now than before.
0: How about we spin it this way then? Because I, I get where you're going. I think Br- bring it to a different sport, and keep going along those lines of it. It matters more about not only the team around him, but his chances of taking that team to the next level. Let's say that three years ago, Paul Goldschmidt wanted to be traded from the Diamondbacks, that he asked to leave that team. When you've got Zach Granke, Robbie Ray, you got JD Martinez backing him up, but he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're not getting past LA. LA's winning that division, you're not going to the World Series. Are you mad at Paul Goldschmidt in that scenario for wanting to leave? Because he knows he's not going to win with Arizona, but the team around him is good. Because I'm mad at him in that situation. But from what you're saying, you are not.
1: I, I think I think I would be disappointed, but if he left again under the right circumstances, like you said, I think I've got to understand it because that team's not beaten LA.
2: Well, can you can you be mad about where they go as well? I mean definitely. You mentioned the Packers, right? And my wife is a huge Green Bay Packers fan, her entire family is. And so I can tell you that when when Brett Favre made the big production about leaving Green Bay and went to the Jets they were a little sad and you know, it's okay, but Brett's moving on. It's, it's fine. Um, but I'll tell you when he went to the Vikings, it was over. There was not a Brett Favre fan left in that family. Um, so, I mean, I think it matters not only how you go, but where you go as well. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. uh,
0: if Brady had gone to a division rival, I'd have a whole different feeling about this. So the answer is if I'm hearing this correctly, is it's complicated yeah and it's complicated so, i don't know how it would feel i don't you know, know i have feel. a problem with that because i do listen to other sports radio podcasts and and talk shows uh stephen a smith has never had a nuanced answer for anything will kane has oh, never geez. had a complicated answer it is sports are black and white if sports radio has taught me anything there is a right answer and there is a wrong answer and guys we're not there what's wrong with us we're doing it wrong Are we just not yelling enough? I think we're not yelling enough because in sports you have to
1: scream at each other because of reasons.
2: Yeah. If you guys want me to scream at you, I'm going to have to go outside because my kids are (laughs) sleeping.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) there ever be
0: people at live sporting events again if so what would that look like i I think the answer has to be yes because of money i think eventually they're going to run out of patience with it because they're going to lose too much revenue over not having people there but i i think it's going to take a while probably longer than people want to admit like it might be it might be two years before we see crowds back in stands again Mm.
1: like pack stadiums yeah
0: or even my, I think people are going to be reticent to go anywhere where there's a crowd. Still, you're going get some people who, yeah, don't like care, that's the other thing. Is it is it from the from the leagues or is it from the just people's
1: mindset that I, you know, I don't want to go. I don't know.
2: How, how do you guys think that's going to change? That's going to change the dynamics of the of of whatever sporting event going forward over the next, like, say it's the next year, even two years. I mean do you put an asterisk around this? I mean, or on, uh, on these seasons, I mean, do you, what happens to home field advantage, what happens, you know, to, you know, crowd noise and the impact that that makes and those types of things. I mean, do you, do you see that having a big impact on, you know, on sporting events or big games or. I think
1: 100% it does depending on the sport. I think in football, if football comes back in the fall and they don't have fans in the stands, <clears throat> or limited fans in stands, it could tef- definitely affect the game. Um, I think football is going to be fine in terms of revenue. Uh, they're obviously going to see a dip, but they have such a good TV deal. They have such a good streaming deal. They have so many deals in place to where I think they can still recover financially from not having people in the stands. But it's like you said, you think about the big sporting arenas in the NFL, uh, that, that noise is a factor. Kansas City, Seattle... Cardinal Stadium. These are stadiums that that get really loud for the opposing team. That really is difficult on the opposing team. College football is the same way. When you go to the Big House in Michigan or um, Ohio State or some of these other schools, that just the the crowd. When we talk about rivalries, like the crowd gets into it. That that affects the the stadium. Um, and so I think it's going to change the the dynamic of it. But you you talked about. Like there's a uh, like NAS, NASCAR, for example, <clears throat> they interviewed a few NASCAR drivers and they can't even hear the stands. Anyways, they, you know, they when they're racing, they they can't even they don't they can't even hear that their stands. I'm sure that winner's lane is a little bit different, but they the the fan interaction with that isn't as potent as college basketball, for example, when they're they're literally almost on the court every single game. When you go to McHale or Duke or kansas like those big blue bloods their their fans are there you can feel the energy i think it's going to really affect the way
0: uh without having fans is going to affect the sport i like i like the question about do you put an asterisk around any team that wins a title in this in what will be a truncated season uh i don't know that i do i i think you you probably look at this really differently but take the nba for example i guess you're looking at at a time when we've got some of the greatest players of all time, if you're able to go through all of this time off as a team and not get complacent and not settle into something and still come out and then beat these mega teams, I think that proves that you're still you know, worthy of getting that title of champion. I think that that means you're a good basketball team, just as good as you would have been in any other year so in in my mind, I don't put an asterisk around this. I think it's an interesting question though because i wouldn't I wouldn't begrudge someone for holding that opinion but i I personally don't think I would can
1: I throw some i like the asterisk questions question too because i that's something i've thought thought a lot about Number one, I don't care if there's an asterisk or not. I just want sports back like that's priority number one in my book like I just want sports to come back but I think that there it's okay to put an asterisk next to. These sports that, that stop midseason basketball and hockey specifically, but it's a good asterisk. Asterisk, not, not well, not a good one because we had to cl- close because of a global pandemic, but it's, it's not like in the asterisk next to Barry Bonds for the Home Run King when he allegedly cheated to get the Home Run King champion or, you know, H- Jose Canseco or any of those guys that have cheated. This is an asterisk because, hey, we had to pause the season. And there were teams that were eliminated prematurely, right? That from, from the playoffs. They might not have been mathematically eliminated. They, they might not have made the playoffs. Like the chances of them making it were really slim. But they technically weren't mathematically eliminated, so we never got gave them the chance to make it, which would have added another uh hitch in the up. Plus, hockey was still supposed to play. The Coyotes, for example, are supposed to play 11 more regular season games before they even started the playoffs. So you can't wear into that factor of of the game playing another month or half a month before you even start the playoffs. That's a lot of wear and tear on the body as well. Um, I think it's going to be tricky in both basketball and hockey because they've taken so much time off, like you said to To try and start back up, the first few games are going to be a little rough. It's going to be like spring training all over again. Um, so I, I think there's going to be an asterisk next to it, but I think it's going to be an okay asterisk.
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose that makes sense. It's there's there's not anything you could really do about the about you know this season for a number of sports, right? I mean, it's it just just is what it is. You're going to have shortened seasons. You're going to have seasons starting late. Um. Yeah, you, know, you sort of have to feel for the athletes that are, you know, that are that are trying to mm-hmm. that are trying to play through this, you know what I mean? Because their, you know, longevity and their contracts are based on their on the statistics that they're able to put out, right? And, you know, if you have if you have a season like this, you know, how does that factor in? And how are people gonna be looking at that moving forward? And how's that gonna impact these athletes, you know, and and whatever legacy they may be they may be trying to put down right now, you know? Um, you know, five years from now, you know, could they could you make the argument that they were the greatest, That they were one of the greatest players of all time, except for they had that dead yep. season, yep. right? Right.
1: Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, there's there's a lot of players that. You're talking about let's talk about LeBron, the LeBron James versus Michael Jordan argument, if you will, for for black oh season. We this might could... as well
0: talk about politics and religion on the show. We're getting real <laughs> divisive now. <laughs> I wasn't going to go into the
1: debate of MJ versus LeBron, but like even when you're having that kind of discussion, like you've got to be able to put, but LeBron James's 2020, 2020 season was cut short because of a global pandemic. Regardless of all the statistics and all the arguments and all the all that other stuff that you can talk about, that's always, I think, going to be something in the history books. That yeah, but he didn't
0: get to finish. Yeah. We're, we'll have that debate over and over again for decades yep. to come.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not going to stop. I mean,
0: the converse of that might also be true: is that some guy who wasn't primed to land some big contract next year just blows it away for half a season and someone wildly overpays for him next year. Oh, probably Bill O'Brien yeah. at Houston if I had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> Pro- probably with the ma- with the moves he's been
1: making, you're probably correct. So that's a, that's an interesting point because we've seen that with the Pac-12 or the the NCAA tournament or Pac-12 tournament too with basketball. You see some guys that, that go out and blow out the water in the tournament and now all of a sudden they're a top ten pick. And you're like, Where in the world did that come from? But they had a good four game stretch where they put up thirty points a game from some somewhere and now they're, you know, playing in the league.
0: Who's the first player you think of when you when you make that uh, analogy? I ha- Derek I Williams was who was not say even close. Was Derek Williams. Derek Williams from Arizona, not even close. I mean
1: Maybe Jimmer for debt? Oh, uh, Jimmer. Yeah, but Jimmer had a good season too. I mean, he he was a good basketball player. I he's his NBA career didn't take off like it maybe could have or should have. Derrick Williams was mediocre in the season, right? He he came in as a three-star recruit, so you know, you didn't have high expectations of a DeAndre Ayton or you know, some of these players that come in as a five-star and he comes in and he plays well and then he comes in and almost single-handedly beat Duke that year and everybody's like, "Oh, we got to draft him as the 3rd overall draft pick." Was he worthy of that high high of draft? Probably not, but again, the the tournament depicted that. And so is that what this is going to be when they return, if they return, you know? I mean do you see do you do you see that happening like somebody getting a big contract I I almost, I almost
0: guarantee it I don't know who it's gonna be but the, I think both of those extremes are true is that someone will be judged more harshly for not being good in a shortened season and someone will be given a contract they're not worthy of because they played over their heads in a shortened season it's just gonna be all over the map hmm I
1: think whoever whoever is able to come up with the first of those sports, whoever is able to put a team out first, is going to make the most in terms of revenue and fan base recruitment. Because people just want to watch sports. You know, they're staying up till three in the morning to watch Korean baseball. Nobody in America, probably very few in America, were watching Korean baseball before COVID hit.
2: You know. Well, th- I mean, that's why that's why that uh, that's why the Capital One's the match, you know, yeah. had the number one viewing uh, broke records for golf viewing. Right. It, it wasn't that they had a particularly great product to put out there. It was fun to watch, but it was because people are starving for live sports. How have we not talked
1: about this yet? Mo? we need to talk about the match. Impressions from the match from a guy who who understands Tom Brady's mind, maybe a little more than Tom Brady understands Tom Brady's <laughs> mind. What do you? I mean, what do you guys? What do you make of this?
2: I think they did a great job of putting together uh, something that would sort of grab national attention, and especially for sports fans, right? I mean, um, you can even be a casual NFL watcher and still recognize the rivalry between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Um, And the dynamics that happen there. Um, And you could just only know a little bit about golf and recognize that, you know, there's some tension between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, you know? So you, you have some two pretty high profile rivalries going on there from two different sports.
1: To throw another thing, like even if, even if you're not a sports fan, you know, who, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning are, you know, who Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are like, you just, you recognize the name, you know,
2: if you've, if you've ever ordered a pizza from Papa John's, you know, who Peyton Manning is. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. But I mean, so these are all these high profile names. I mean, who doesn't know who Tiger Woods is. Right. And so to have that be the only thing in sports happening, um, was, was huge. And, you know, the fans flocked to it and, um, you know, one of the things I sort of liked about, I liked about that match. And then the, uh, the drive, the drive for relief match they had the week or two before was that it sort of wasn't overproduced. Right. And you got to see every shot and you got to see some of the best players in the world, you know, hit some bad shots and miss some putts, and, you know, and, and hit bunkers and just have fun. And, you know, and just, it was a really fun sporting event to watch. It wasn't you know, it wasn't high stakes, it wasn't high profile, but it was it was sort of fun to watch. Um it was also sort of fun to watch Brady being the worst player on the field at that time, you know. <laughs> Going back to the whole, you know, teaching your kids who to root for and that kind of stuff. So my kids sort of recognized that there was, you know, that maybe we shouldn't be rooting for Tom Brady. And so then they started rooting for Peyton Manning and I was like, Whoa, <laughs> no, 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 you can't don't do that.
0: There's no <laughs> circumstance where that's okay. <laughs>
2: Whoa, 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 it's okay. Tom Brady's not so bad, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Back the train up. Bill, and you've got a daughter and a son. So Mm -hmm. how is it different? Is it different?
2: It's, it's, it's different. I mean, it's different. And I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a boy girl thing, it's a daughter son thing, or if it's just the difference of personalities between kids, you know what I mean? Um, so my, my daughter is very studious. She's a very, you know, she's very about organized, about following the rules. Um, and you know, um, very into school and that type of stuff. My son hasn't found a rule yet that, uh, applies to him unless he wants it to. Um, my daughter is very reserved. Whereas my son is like the extroverts extrovert, (laughs) right? He has never met, he has never met a person who's not his friend, right? He, he just, he will talk to anybody anytime and he's very, um, theatrical. Right. I mean, he's very, uh-huh. you know, um, and, and so sometimes it's like living with a young Jim Carrey in my house, <laughs> Uh-oh. you know, with the oh, noises no. he makes and the facial expressions and the crazy stuff that he does, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a whole different world and, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, you guys talk about how you approach your daughters in certain situations and that kind of stuff. And, I have to approach my daughter and deal with situations much differently than I approach my son about stuff. You know, it's just, it's just the way their personalities are and what connects with them and that kind of yeah. stuff. But, um, but I can tell yeah. you, you get into some really different stories with the kids too. Like you guys aren't here, you guys aren't there yet. You're getting there. Right. You're yeah. not there at the whole potty training stage no. yet.
1: Oh no. But,
2: there are some stories about potty training, and I'm not going to tell the ones about my daughter, but I will tell one about my son. Oh no! <laughs> so, so, so you know when you're when you're when you're potty training, especially a little boy, like you have to, you, you know, it's it's like you have to when they have to go, they you just have to go. They have to take they take their pants off and they just go right. And so the whole idea of potty training is sort of setting social boundaries, you know, <laughs> and, and, um, and so we're potty training my son and we realized that he would have accidents if we were in the backyard and we made him go into the house. Right. And it, uh, it didn't, yeah. it wasn't working. So we decided that, okay, we're going to help my son by just saying that, look, if you have to go potty pee in the rocks, oh, right? Just, okay. just go over pee in the gravel, Right. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's our backyard. Nobody else is here. It's, it's fine. But, you know, just yeah. do that. I
1: mean, you're a guy um, you can pee outside. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you
2: know, and, and, you know, we're, I'm kind of teaching him that, you know, draw your name in the rocks and, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, point at the spot on the wall and, you know, and anyway, those are the so, important
1: life lessons really when you think about it.
2: <laughs> right. That's, you know, that's what a father teaches a son. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> so I walk in to go pick him up from daycare one, or preschool one day. And I knew I was in trouble, you know, cause I don't, I don't normally pick him up from preschool. My wife usually pecked, picked him up, but I went in, uh, for whatever reason this day, and the teacher goes, Oh, Mr. Bashar, I'm glad you're here. And I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> you'd never want things to start out that way. And she says, yeah, I need to talk to you about your son. And I was like, Oh, okay. And she says, do you happen to let him pee in the rocks at home? <laughs> And I said, uh, well, uh, y- you know, yeah, we're, you know, we're potty training and we're working on it. You know what I mean? And, and that kind of stuff. And she said, yeah, I was curious about that because at playtime, uh, he was over in the, he was over in the playground and, um, he was peeing through the wrought iron fence that faces the <laughs> parking lot that ha- they happened to share with a dental office and he was peeing in the rocks the way only a three-year-old does, right? He had his shirt up under his armpits and his pants down That's around his such ankles.
0: Such a classic look.
2: It was a classic look, yes. And uh, and when the teacher saw this, immediately the immediate reaction was like, Charlie, what are you doing? And apparently he turned around, never missed a beat and said, "Bean in the rocks. <laughs> So that was the day that we had to sit down and really like talk to our son about okay, there are things you can do at home and there are things that you that you that you can't do in public. You know what I mean? It's just or or there are things you can do at home that you can't do in public around You're right. other people. Like. You're right.
1: Oh man.
0: I'm peeing in the rocks. I he was What's doing what well, he was trained to do. Good on him. Good, good on, on him. him. <laughs> Charlie gets the thumbs up from the Brody Moe in law show. I guarantee somebody but, getting a really canal that day had a very interesting view
1: <laughs> they're like did i was that was i under when that or did i see a kid peeing
0: through wrought iron fences what i don't know what happened? Were they using in this clinic <laughs> well guys we i think we've covered just about everything talked a lot about nfl football talked about uh tom brady to the patriots talked about golf talked about some daughters Talked about some sons even on the show for a change of pace, which was great. That's so, true. Thank you so much for being on the show. That was awesome of you. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. Since you're the guest host, we're going to put you on the spot. We're going to make you come up with a number for the week that Brody's going to auction to. What do you got?
2: Well, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, I think in honor of uh, Tom Brady's run with the New England Patriots, let's count it down to 20. That's the number of seasons he played with us.
1: There you go. All right, here we go. And da da five. Here da 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 ten. Ten. 10 da da now fifteen. And da fifteen dollar. Here da da fifteen part. here now twenty. And da bit da a twenty dollar. Here da da twenty five. Here da da twenty. Da 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 part. twenty five. And I have here da twenty five. Sold it. Twenty seasons. Twenty seasons. Tom Brady with the Patriots.
0: Everybody, thanks again for listening to the Brody and Mo in law show with guest host Phil. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at inlawshow at gmail.com or our Twitter handle is at inlawshow. Otherwise, we'll see you all next week. Bye, guys.